Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We've been in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. Today, we actually begin the fourth chapter. Let me read the opening verse to that chapter this morning. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God or not. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The third chapter ended with a discussion of the problem of a condemning heart. That even though we have come to know Christ as Savior, when we stumble, and there can be lots of reasons for such stumbling, when we sin, inevitably we have guilt generating within us. God designed us in that way. However, the enemy of our souls, Satan, can try to take such guilt times and make us wonder about whether we're going to be forgiven or whether we're even saved, accepted by God. And so God addresses this question and tells us how to calm a condemning heart if we are his children. Now, if somebody has never responded to the gospel, has never received Jesus Christ as Savior, their guilt is meant to lead them to repent and believe. But now we're talking about believers. And you remember, in summary, there were two great biblical truths upon which we could calm our hearts. We could resolve condemning hearts. The first of these truths, you remember, was that God is greater than our heart. In other words, God's judgment of us is not based on the analysis of our heart, what our heart thinks at a particular point in time. No, it's not that his judgment of us is based instead on what he knows we've done or not done with the gospel, with the gospel of his son. And that leads inevitably to the second of those great truths, that God knows everything, the omniscience of God. Now, the reality is the omniscience of God is that God knows everything you've done, every stumbling you've made. But at the same time, the omniscience of God means that God knows what you've done with Christ. Despite whatever stumblings are going on, he knows whether you've repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. God sees beyond our stumbling to our decision. And God says on the basis of that, we can find a calming of our heart in those times of struggle and guilt. Now, of course, guilt in our life as we stumble in sin is also meant, as we saw in the first chapter of 1 John, to lead us to acknowledge that sin and confess it to the Lord and receive forgiveness as a result. So there's other purposes and other responses to guilt. But in terms of calming our heart, regaining assurance, these truths are so important to us. Now, Chapter 4 opens with an important reminder to us. And the reminder is this, that the Holy Spirit is not the only voice or the only, quote, spirit we will encounter as we walk in this world. One of the great problems is that people are not discerning about things that they think sound right. They'll hear something they think sounds Christian. And God is saying to us here, and challenging us as the fourth chapter begins, don't believe everything that you hear. Don't believe everything that sort of sounds Christian. And by that I mean that has Christian words in it. Uh, you know, the use of the word God or the use of the word Jesus or something like that. 
Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everyone you're who is speaking that sounds Christian. Because not everyone who claims to be speaking for God actually is speaking for God. There have been many false teachers that have gone out into the world, as it tells us here. Many who have tried to mislead the believers. Now, this reality has always been true. It was certainly true in the Old Testament times where there were many false prophets, not only the true prophets that troubled Israel, but it's especially true in our era, the church era, this new covenant gospel era. I was thinking about some verses. In fact, here's the point. I won't read, I won't read all the verses I could because every book in the New Testament addresses in one way or another the danger of false teachers, people who say they're speaking for God but are really not. So you get the sense by that very emphasis of space that this is a pretty important issue. Here in 1 John, we encounter it again. At any rate, a couple of verses to give you the sense of this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus is speaking and he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's important caution, isn't it? In Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 29, we read these words. And Paul, in this case, is speaking to the Ephesian elders. It's his last time with those Ephesian elders. And uh, he's challenging them about a number of issues as leaders in the churches that he's ministered to in that Ephesians region but uh, the region of Ephesus. But listen to these words, Acts 20, 29 in the head. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the, the flock, but from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. <laughs> Beware of the false prophets, those who are wolves in sheep's clothing. Beware of the fierce wolves that will come in among you, <laughs> not sparing the, stock, the flock. All right. As I say, these are just representative of the frequent warnings that the scripture gives us. Here's the point. You and I must look beyond some external issue. We can't just give people credence because they happen to use the word God or the word Jesus. We have to know more about who they are, about what they are saying. Not everyone who uses religious words is true. Not everyone who uses religious words is from God. In fact, they will be many who will be ravenous wolves in the terminology of these verses that are read to you. Not everybody who seems spiritual, not everybody who seems sincere is not a wolf. Here's the deal. Uh, within the flock, there will be those masquerading. This ought not to surprise us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, we're told that Satan himself at times will disguise himself as an angel of light. In other words, he will disguise himself as someone who seems Christian, somebody who seems of the light, of the truth, but he's still the enemy. 
false teachers will abound. And so our answer to it is not to try to assess, gosh, does this person seem sincere? Does this person seem like the light? Because there's some very clever disguises. Now, the way that we approach it, the way that we discern it, is by looking at the teaching. In Acts chapter 17, we read about the Bereans, and listen to these words. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue, and now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. How do we approach individuals and discern whether they are true or false spirits? The word of God is our plumb line. Only to the degree that we know the word can we use it to assess those that may in fact be wolves, masquerading and disguising as angels of light. We do that to keep ourselves from being tossed to and fro. Ephesians 4, 14 puts it, that we're not to be children any longer, tossed to and fro by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by, set, by craftiness and deceitful wiles. In other words, the very presence of all of these false teachers creates waves that when people do not have the word of God to discern, they'll be tossed to and fro uh, like waves on the sea. In the verses ahead, in preparation for that is a bridge to it, we're going to encounter three core questions that we can ask biblically about someone who is speaking and discern on the basis of their answers whether they are false or true. You can test people. Here are the three questions. Number one, what is their view of the incarnation? About Jesus Christ, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. That's in verses 2 and 3 of the fourth chapter. The second question is, how does the world view the things that they're saying? That's verses 4 and 5. And then finally in verse 6, chapter 4, we will discover the third question. What is their view of the scriptures themselves? An individual who fails any of these tests, by definition, is a false teacher, a false prophet. And we shouldn't believe anything that they say. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue to examine these issues further, as we look more carefully at how to test the spirits.